0: Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts Podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. My name is Sarah O'Keefe, and I'm your host today. In this episode, we discuss the rise of content ops with Rahel Bailey of Content Seriously. Rahel, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast. Well, I'm delighted to be here on the podcast, too. I thought you'd never ask. And here we are, finally. (laughs) Finally. So, yeah, so, I I mean, I know who you are, but for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and about content seriously and what you're doing here.
1: You know, I wish I had done such a professional job as you did on introducing. So uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I've been doing content ops since... um, Probably 15 years ago, I have found uh, references in my old slide decks to content operations, except nobody knew what it was. And that kind of went in one ear and out the other. So for many years, I've been under the rubric of content strategy, have been um, advocating for content operations to do things more efficiently. I was a consultant from... 2002 until shortly after I came to the UK and now that I've got my um, citizenship I went back to consulting it seems to suit me the best and I've worked in all areas you know from technical writing and very technical writing to guidance writing to marketing writing over the years and once I went into consulting, then I turned my uh, talents to diagnosing, you know, in client situations and finding more efficient ways
0: for them to produce their content. So how do you define content ops? I mean, it, you know, it's been out there, as you said, for a while, but I think you've got one of the sort of cleaner definitions of, of what this is. So what's your definition of content ops? So I've been refining it and refining it, and right now it's refined to the uh,
1: this statement that content ops is a set of principles, and I think that's important. It's principles that we use to optimize content production and to leverage content as business assets to meet business objectives. So um, it's all about efficiency.
0: And so what are some of the basic things that, that would drive an organization towards content ops?
1: So I have a theory that there are six kind of meta business drivers and everything else is a subset of that. So if you want to reach one of these business goals, you're going to need some sort of operating model that is slick and clean and efficient to be able to do that. So out of those six, you know, there's, there's the one like reduce time to market Well, reducing time to market means producing content in a better, faster way. Expanding your reach, so as soon as you go into other countries, now you have localization issues. And if you don't want to break the bank with your translation, uh, your language, you know, your certain language service provider uh, on translation costs, you need to get your source content in order. Risk management, so you know, compliance, regulatory, all those things. If you don't want to get sued or shut down or whatever is the case in your industry you want to have that all together, you need a good operating model. The next one would be a better user experience. And if you want better user experience and more customer loyalty and so on, you need accurate content. So you need content that comes from the same place so you're not duplicating it and then having to maintain all those duplicate copies which comes under content operations. And you know, there's a couple others, but you get the, the idea that anything that you do that involves having a content component,
0: you want to manage your content
1: really well because otherwise you're going to be lost.
0: So it's like it's almost like maturity, right? It's a it's a mature content development process as opposed to this just throw some stuff up against the wall and then copy and paste it over here and then copy and paste it again and did I make copy and paste? <laughs>
1: anything that says copy and paste or I track it in a spreadsheet that's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so I've seen places that had um, over 50 spreadsheets and the guy was supposed to be the manager. And all he did was manage spreadsheets. There was another company that was doing um, a retail product and they, and re, and online so that, you know, they're a retail chain and, and they're out of business now. Um, not surprisingly 99 spreadsheets to manage their content. It was ridiculous. So th- this idea of being able to do things more efficiently. So can you imagine uh, on the code side, having, I don't know, a hundred developers sitting around, they're all writing their own spaghetti code and then they're copying and pasting it all over again and forgetting to change the version number and, you know, all those things that happen. Well, that's what's still happening in content in a lot of places. And I get told by people oh, you know, can you go and see what cool company A is doing for for content? And I'll say, well, you know, I just happened to speak to someone from there last week or last month or whatever. And they're coming to me because it's a show. (laughs) So, so even though they're out there, like, you know, we have our book and we have our method and we have our whatever, it doesn't apply to content.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, people come to me a lot and say things like, you know, what CMS should I buy or what CMS has the biggest market share? Like, who should we pick? You know, and what they Mm. want me to tell them is, oh, this one is, is doing really well in the market. And, you know, depending on my mood of the day, my, my default answer, when they say what CMS has the biggest market share, my default answer is actually Excel. (laughs) Yes. Because, as Jeff Eaton
1: said in in uh, a discussion I had with him recently, technically that's a headless CMS because it's a different
0: rendering engine. Right. <laughs> if you put so, it into PowerPoint. PowerPoint is the CMS. Hmm. So let's not we, we don't we don't use bad words like PowerPoint on this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, you told me oh. about all the four letter words I could not use. But uh, pa- uh, PowerPoint uh, sorry. I has PowerPoint more than was, four letters. I thought PowerPoint was implied. So um, we will add the, the, the session you're talking about was a webcast on Headless CMS that you did with Jeff Eaton, and we will add that to the show notes so that people can find it. I wanted to ask you why now. So, and, and because you're absolutely right, you've been talking about content ops for a while, and Now it seems as though this concept or this buzzword or whatever is gaining traction. So why? Like what, what changed in the market? Why is the market ready now to talk about content ops? Okay. I'm going to to answer this in, in
1: two parts. And the first part is very brief. And if you go back to the early 2000s, who had content problems? So I remember the Cisco, had a guy go in and they said they had over a million pages and it was a complete mess because everything was just like, you know, pages done individually and thrown up onto the web. And then they had this, you know, a million pages and they had to have someone come in and organize them and, you know, put together taxonomy and whatever. So unless you were, you know, a huge SAP Cisco, whatever, you didn't have a content operations problem really because you had a 10 page website, maybe, you know, now, uh, there's a company called gather content who said that when they were um, first getting into this business, they were creating this piece of software where people could kind of park their content until the website was built and they built it their software to handle, you know, 20 to 200 pages. And next thing you know, within a few years, they're being asked to support 20,000 pages and people aren't using it as a temporary stopgap anymore. So, uh, they had to redo their whole code base to make this more robust. So when you look at that kind of oh we went from 20 pages to 200 to 20,000 and 200,000 you can see how that complexity, well the the scale is is mm-hmm. increased mm-hmm. greatly. The complexity because you've got, you know, uh, like take the iPhone. Well, just because there's an iPhone, what's the latest one 14 or something, it, that doesn't mean you can ditch all the support material for 13, 12, 11, 10, nine, eight, you know, you have to still have it out there. So how do you, you know, do all this um, multi-channel publishing and omni-channel? And now we've got uh, like conversation design content and all sorts of content genres that didn't exist and they all have to work together. And one of, one of the things I do with my students at the university is we have a course called content in complex environments. And I create eight teams, three people each, eight teams, 24 students. Great. They all go and produce a little piece of content towards a fictional product. And then I bring them back together and they have to coordinate everything. And they say it's so hard and it's <laughs> not the creating the content. It's the coordinating with seven other teams, So if you take this and you multiply that out into any content environment, you get complexity and you get the need to have a tight operating model. You can't take the operating model for software development and apply it to to content. It's not the same thing. You can't take data ops and apply it to content ops. So you have to come up with, your own way, efficient way of working. And that's why it's now because we've reached that, you know, is that peak derp they used to say? We've, we've hit that pinnacle of like, oh my gosh, my stuff is everywhere. We are breaking all the rules and whatever those rules may be in your particular industry, you know, regulatory rules, or we've racked up content debt. We don't have the quality. We are... Um, not checking accuracy. We don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. And now they're saying, okay, well, we have to get more efficient than this. This copy and paste stuff has got to go.
0: So, so looking back on this, you know, when you look at where we are right now with content ops versus Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that you were looking at a while back, you know, 10 Mm -hmm. or 15 years ago, when you look back, has anything changed i mean i know your definition has changed a little in that you've you know refined it or tightened yeah. it or or whatever but has content ops itself changed over the past 10 15 years yes in a couple of ways so one is around tooling if you look back 15
1: years ago we barely had any tooling for like production grade tooling so you know right now um, even even today there are lots of companies that they throw Microsoft Word or Google Docs at and then expect them to go in and and do uh, content production the way you would do, you know, like keep pace with the agile team. But here are some basic tools that are really meant for casual business use and um, do your best with them. And you know we we know that that doesn't work anymore but now we have some tools where we can say actually you have this or you have this you know you've got a, a gather content you have a ccms you've got a a PIM, you've got you know all these different things that are out there that are starting to come up that you could use for a better operating model and and we have workflow modules that you could apply to things so that you're not tracking things in a spreadsheet uh, so That's changed. But also, I think the locus of control has changed because now we have, you know, product owners and product managers and they have, they often have the budget. And so uh, how you have to go about implementing is, is different because you have to keep up with what they're doing and you have to convince them that content deserves its own operating model. And that's a hard sell. It's a really hard sell right now.
0: So, so what's next? When you look, you know, when you look forward at the next—well, I'm not going to ask for 15 years because that's ludicrous. But how about three to five? If you, look, <laughs> you know, if you look into the future, in the short term, medium term, whatever that is, what what do you think is next? What's coming down the pipe in content ops that'll be interesting and fun and uh, exciting to work on?
1: Well, hmm. That's a loaded question. You know, when they show those curves where they show the early adopters and it's starting to kind of, it's at the bottom of the curve on the left. And then there's this, you know, line up and then there's the, you know, at the other end going down, it's the late adopters. So Mm -hmm. I think we're so far at the beginning that for most organizations, nothing will change. They're still going to be limping along, but I think what's going to start happening soon is that there will be things that happen. And when I say things that happen, it could be that somebody got sued, you know, somebody uh, missed a deadline and got fired, you know, those kinds of things that, um, you know, somebody lost their funding because something didn't happen on time. So there will be something that tips them over into the edge where they go, oh, we should have listened. And then as they move around the industry, they will take their experience with them and start implementing things differently. So, and I say this because I had a a former product manager where I used to work and uh, he's off doing his own thing now. And he called me and said, like, I want, I want a guy like Chris and Chris was the content strategist who worked for me, and he said, "I want him because we, you know, our product is content, and we need to manage it in a different way. Like, you know, we we have to be really good about how we manage our content. And it has to be done really well, and there are lots of moving parts. And what would I call that person, and where would I find one of them? <laughs> right. So here's somebody who lived through this." non successful experience with me. But when he went into his own business, decided he wasn't going to make that happen again, right? He was going to do it right. So he's looking for the right kind of person, the right shape of person to come in and do their content operations. And I just spoke with another fellow who uh, runs, he's one of the co-founders of career.pm. So it's for product managers. And he was, he got so excited and said, oh my gosh, product managers need to know about this. And so we're trying to put together this this deck on what the benefit will be for product managers if they will pay attention to content ops. And what, you know, we came to certain conclusions, some kind of sad conclusions, which was uh, that for them, content is like somebody showing up with a baby and the baby's ready to be put into the product. And you say, well, it takes all this time to make a baby. And it's like, well, you know, that's not our business. You know, just once you have a baby, then, then we care. <laughs> and so you've got that piece as well, where they say, well, that's not nothing to do with us in the product that has to do like whoever's responsible for the content team. And when you start going up the chain, there's one of those weird matrix responsibility things and nobody's responsible for content. It might go up to head of marketing or head of communications. They don't know about content ops. Uh, They might know about content ops from a marketing perspective, which is a very different rhythm and a very different beast than product content. They don't even know that some of these uh, processes and tools and tensions exist. They think it's a three-step process. You write, you copy and paste, put it in CMS and QA it. Done. <laughs> and so when you start going into these things and uh, you know, I spent a long time within a government department and I did a um, kind of a, almost like a time and motion study, but I used the concept of you know lean services and the seven types of waste. And we just mapped out the way they're doing it now and the way they could do it. And we came up with like a 75% savings. It was, you know, quite remarkable. And, And that was using conservative estimates. If it hadn't been me, if it had been anyone else, they probably wouldn't have gone in and gotten that same result because the other folks that they would bring in know about the editorial side. So they would, you know, they would say things like, well, you know, run everything through Hemingway before you write it. And then, you know, then, then we know that it's, it's going to conform to the style guide. (laughs) And that's about the extent of what they know. And that's about it. You know, but when you say, well, we should hook up an authoring system to a taxonomy management tool and then um, yeah, well, we'll need to have some sort of digital asset management, but maybe the uh, CMS has it. They don't even think about those things or or the implications of of uh, what happens when you have multimedia content and you need to have transcripts and, and captions and in multiple languages. And they just like, okay, too much, too much. Go talk to the techies, and the techies don't know because they're not content people. They the, the, they don't know this stuff. So it kind of that becomes the ping pong ball, and I think that. Some of these things will start to get understood, especially when there's a, you know, I hate the term, but the burning platform. When they find themselves on a burning platform, then they're going to be looking for that vehicle to take them off the burning platform. And that may be, you know, some sort of vehicle connected to an operating model for content.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, that seems like an almost hopeful note. So (laughs) I think... (laughs) I think we we should leave it there on on the hopeful note of, uh, your your software your platform may be burning, but you will get off of it successfully. Yes. Yay! Well, I think you know I, I will say that there are people
1: like you, like me. There's you know a couple of handfuls of people that I can think of. Not a lot of us, but go out and get the expertise. Bring in somebody, hire in that expertise to help
0: you, and then listen to them. <laughs> I really have nothing to add to that other than you should listen to Rahel. So Rahel, thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it there. Thank you so much for being here My and pleasure. for participating on this. And with that, thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.